Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I am your host, Sebastian Peña, and I am delighted to have Nadia and Tyler with me. Hello. Welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. How are you all doing today? We're doing good, Sebastian. Thank you so much for asking. So I assume you all know what the topic is of today? Yes. Well, today, for all our viewers, I suppose, we will be talking about the Gint altarpiece and about other stuff related to such things. Well, I will say some basic info about the Gint altarpiece that you all might not know. Basically, the Gint altarpiece is also known as the Adoration of the Mystic Lamb. And it was created in 1432 for the Vigit Chapel for the Church of St. John the Baptist. Now, you know, it's whatever. It's called St. Bra, Bavo, Cafardo, and Gint, Belgium. Is the author for... This is really weird about it, though. People don't exactly know who created it. It's usually considered by two different people who might have made it. Hmm. Well, Jan van Eyck or Hubert van Eyck. Or both of them. The scholars debate this all the time, and I don't get why. Hmm. Wow. Basically, it's like the get altarpiece is basically like a foldable door kind of thing where you can open it up and it looks really cool and it shows the more detailed art hidden behind it. Ah. Yeah. And it's basically like, and the weird thing about this thing, it was like stolen three times. Three. Oh my gosh. Basically, by the first time, it was by Napoleon's troops, by the French, basically. Another time was when Germany in World War One invaded and got got their hands on it and stole it. Then in World War Two, they did the same thing again, and they took them forever to find it again and get it back. Oh my goodness! Wow, that is it is really insane. That's already long history. Mm-hmm. And basically, what's really weird about it is basically. Some parts are still missing. We don't even know where the rest of it could be, you know? Hmm. Hmm. And it's usually, it was originally created in Belgium, as we all know. Let me ask you a real question. You know what? What do you guys think about all this? You know, what do you think about this piece? Um. Well, I think that it's really interesting that it's been stolen I was so coveted by I guess most like a lot of like different nations that it was stolen so many times what you thought what do you think about all this what do you think about this info I just kind of dumped on you I just honestly think that it's kind of cool I had I hadn't seen any artwork like this before having it be like a trap door kind of thing where behind it there's more paintings and I saw that it was made out of oil pastels and that the details on it were extremely crazy. And I just thought that it was kind of cool because it was said to be way ahead of its time. And after all the things that it has like went through, like how you were telling us, the three different, I guess, groups having the piece at some point, um, the fact that it's still basically like intact after that, I find fascinating to be honest with you i mean okay let me ask you all another question why do you think it's called the gint it's called the gint altarpiece specifically is it because it was made in gint you're kind of like you're halfway there thylo it's your guess i'm kind of curious i feel like maybe it was to like honor gint i don't know maybe the creators 
of the piece were just, I guess, born in Ghent, so they just named it the Ghent altarpiece. I don't know. Well, your guys are kind of there, but you kind of are off. Do you know the real reason? The I do actually. It was com. It was a commission from a Ghent citizen who just paid. Who's never named apparently. Oh. oh he the guy was commissioned for he was the he's like one of the first people to get commissioned that's kind of funny oh wow that's interesting and also this piece of art is also considered the beginning of the of the renaissance that started the renaissance era of art ah. is literally considered a masterpiece that's how insane this thing is oh my gosh we can see why it was stolen so many times mm -hmm. do you have any more cool facts Seb? i mean it almost did not survive, actually. It was almost destroyed during the Reformation era because of the... But how religious art was always destroyed during that era because it was considered, like, blasphemous and all that, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, I have some details on that coming up. You do? Why, why don't yeah. you... Uh, when did you go into that, you know? Well, my details mostly pertain to the St. Bravo Cathedral, which <laughs> is where the, um, the piece is kept now. The St. Bravo Cathedral was a, a Gothic-style Roman Catholic church built in, th in the 13th through 16th centuries in Ghent, Belgium. Ghent is made up of large public squares and market spaces, but it's referred to as the center of life in this medieval city. Hmm. They're known for creations during these stages, and they're even known as the creator of waffles, guys. Oh, my gosh. Oh my. Waffles. I really thought that that was like an American thing or something. If I was like French fries? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So going back to the cathedral, the St. Bravo Cathedral is 89 meters tall. It is named um for St. Bravo of Ghent, as you guys couldn't tell by the name. Mm -hmm. um, as Sebastian has previously stated, the Ghent altarpiece was created when a citizen of Ghent commissioned the altarpiece for the church in his home country as a means of saving his soul and celebrating his wealth. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So during all this time, so this was like the summer of 1566, there was a lot of riots that were being formed after Charles V was baptized in the church. Riots where they would demolish things inside the churches. They shattered glass, broke sculptures and artworks, but the Van Eck were saved. So oh if you guys can't tell, the get this, you know, this masterpiece has like 600 years of history behind it so although it was it has all the history it's almost intact with its all of its original panels minus one that's called the righteous judges right mm -hmm. it was stolen mm -hmm. in it was stolen in 1934 by a guy named arsene goldirider i think mm -hmm. i'm saying that right i'm sorry and it was hidden inside the cathedral, right? He hid it somewhere inside the cathedral. He actually put out like a reward, not a reward, but he was asking for money for him to say where it was, but they never came to an agreement with him. So he actually passed while it was still hidden somewhere in the cathedral. So for now, they have an original, they have the original 11 hung mm -hmm. up, the original 11 panels, but they mm -hmm. have placed a copy where that one would go mm. and to this day where the missing panel is it still takes the country by belgium by storm 
So mm. people still have no clue where this missing panel is. In 2008, the budget police thought that they had a lead. They thought that they were really close and that they had found some type of information that was soon going to lead them to the location of it. But they did not find it. And that was 2018. So that was pretty recently. Damn, okay. It took like... Art piece that has like ages of history. Just missing forever, huh? Yeah, just missing forever, I guess. Oh my goodness. That is... Wow. Mm, Okay, okay, okay. And... uh... Like, I remember that you got, so I remember when Sebastian was talking about how the Ghent altarpiece was uh, comprised of, like, panels with, with like, uh, what do you say, like, the tiny little doors that would, like, come out or, like, open up and reveal the painting. Huh. And they, like, one of the most, uh, like, significant events uh, for the Ghent altarpiece was the time when it had essentially been sawed apart. Now, it was like physically like dismantled or like sawed apart in, I believe, 1894 by the the Berlin Museum when when it had been in there they had taken the six oak panels of the altarpiece and essentially separated it into 12 thinner panels. They had extra work done to create the supportive cradles for the panels and additional work to give them new frames. Hmm. And to this day, you can still see like the markings of a large mechanical saw used to separate the altarpiece and surprisingly there are still like original layers of paint that had survived the process of being taken apart and the reason why they had taken it apart was number one uh because they when they kept trying to like show it to the visitors the management of the berlin museum kind of thought it would be too much work to continue you know, opening up the panels, closing the panels for every visitor that came by. So it would be easy. So they, you know, removed, mm-hmm. they separated the panels so that it would be easier to show visitors. Ooh. But it was also because it was also like due to the fact that it was a religious uh, work that they had separated it. Oh, and, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. They had, uh, they were trying to, I guess like um hmm. kind of obscure obscure like its true uh message or something like that. Hmm. So do you guys believe that because I know Talia was talking about how there was a point in time where religious artworks were being like, you know, destroyed, even though the Van X, this specific, you know, piece was saved. Uh-huh. Like, do you believe that it was right for them to saw apart the Ghent altarpiece, you know, due to these yeah. reasons? I mean, I don't really think it was a bad, good idea. Like, I think, I mean, I tend to see why, but like the whole point of an altarpiece is that it's specifically made to open up like a door, you know? Yeah. 
if anything, I think they should have just like put it in the middle of a museum and just keep it open fully so you can see all the sides, you know? That's true. They should have done something like that because yeah. like it it was like it was part of the experience as, you know, of religious artwork being able yeah. to open up the doors. I have to completely agree with both of you guys in that sense. But could it be that maybe they sawed it apart for some reason for kind of restoring it? Not restoring it, but like keeping it safe in a way. Like maybe sawing it apart was the secret to it completely kind of being intact to this day. Although, yes, I do agree with you guys. They should not. I feel like they should not have, you know, sawn it apart because I just feel like that was its original state and that's how it was meant to like be presented so I feel mm -hmm. like it would not be the same as the original and what it was and the significance of that type of art during the renaissance area but I feel like maybe they they had their reasons and maybe it was better if it was that way or maybe we would even have it if they wouldn't have sawn it apart you know yeah, I guess you're right. I can definitely see that. Like, it's a, like, I guess, like, when they saw the part, each of the panels, it did, like, as you said, like, play a part into its uh, preservation because it was kind of, I maybe, like, less to destroy. Like, okay, like, yeah. if someone were, like, stole one of the panels, like, at least the rest of the panels would be, you know, intact. intact. Yeah, as opposed to them trying to take the entire thing and, and then, you know, maybe something happening to the entire thing. Because so far, we've only lost one of the panels, like, entirely. Yeah. So it might, may have been way worse. It could have. We could have lost the whole thing, for all we know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean... I mean, if you really think about it, like... It gets worse if one was just entirely destroyed, you know? Like, if the whole thing could have gone destroyed instead, too. Like, we have to keep that in mind, too yeah right like these people were breaking like the glass panels and you know churches especially catholic churches they're known for having like beautiful stained glass like artwork yeah. and all of that and these people were breaking that and going in and trashing stuff that could be like historically significant for that town and things like that but huh. thinking this one was you know safe mm -hmm. and do you guys think that because of the you know, because of the things that have like happened to like religious art or like uh, art that had like these uh, different values associated with them. Do you think that because of the history of religious art, that religious art should be should run by its own set of rules as opposed to regular art? Like, should they be treated differently? Honestly, I feel like religion goes back to like a whole philosophy thing because I feel like everybody has like a different definition of religion and how they practice their religion. But I do think that religion is like a way of seeing the world and it's something that has been around for as long as the human, basically. So I feel like these arts, they all convey some point of like the human mind, if that makes sense, like what we accept as as i guess like as true in a way or what we see as religion mm -hmm. so i feel like they should have the same rule because the art would you know it would still be significant of that era and what people were thinking and what was going on at the time 
Uh-huh. Like they shouldn't really have any rules. I mean, does art really have any rules? That's actually a really strong point. That's There's a, not really a point. Because we really... have seen some weird stuff that people do call art, guys. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, have you heard of this artist called, like, Duchamp? Like, the stuff he made was kind of insane. Yeah, yeah. and there's, you know, many weird things. Like, do you guys remember at Art Basel not that long ago here in Miami where mm-hmm. they sold a painting or of, like, a banana duct tape to a thing? Oh, oh, yeah, I remember that. And that was huge. And that was art. That had no rules behind art. that. There was no rules there. No, it was just it was just whatever. It, it was, was art. It was yeah. art at its peak. It art. Yeah. So yeah, that uh, that is true. It's definitely a very strong point you make. Do mm. you think there's the rules that there should be rules, sub or no? Oh, obviously not. I think art is art. I think it's funny. Like I love the banana. I love the banana tape to the wall thing. It's funny, and I like and I like watching like the altarpiece and all those kind of arts too. They're kind of cool. Yeah. Like, was any, because, like, it kind of expresses what someone's mind is. Like, what are they thinking and all that, even if it's weird or abstract? Right. True, yeah. And I know that a lot of techniques, like, come about with time, if that makes sense. Like, you start learning about a lot of things as, like, time progresses. So I just feel like you see the evolution of the world and, like, the state and all of that Mm -hmm. through art. Mm -hmm. That's true. I remember that. It was Richard Wagner had uh, gone into detail about this in a section of his book called uh, Religion and Art, where he was essentially saying that art is one of the few ways that we can, that one of the few mediums we can use to essentially visualize and conceptualize religion. Mm. Yeah, see? Yeah, that's, that is kind of interesting, actually. That is really interesting. It's just like, why would there be rules for art? You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't need to be. There doesn't need, like, it doesn't, like, for at least it's, like, creation and everything like that. Like, there doesn't need to be any rules for it. But I was, like, because, like, the the way that, like, people, when it comes to, like, a religious piece of art, like, I don't know, like, naturally, people, if they stand for one thing and see that the artist or uh, artwork directly opposes that thing, they'll get upset about it. If you were to go and you were to look at like a regular piece of art and, you know, it doesn't really say anything about your religion or an opposing religion, then it wouldn't like affect the people. The reason why so many religious artworks had been destroyed was because, you know, they were religious artworks and people had felt some way about them. like would would like religious artworks be able to just be presented anywhere do you guys think or should they only be put into their you know buildings associated with religion should they i don't know be like censored because they might make someone upset or do you guys want to just let them be out there uh Ooh, okay. Yeah, okay. Now, now, we're, now we're getting spicy. Okay. Like, the, the, if, even if it offends someone, even if it offends their religion or the religion that it's representing, should it just be allowed to be anywhere that regular art is? Okay, so, okay, controversial take. 
I feel like maybe it should just be everywhere. Because, like, for example, this one, the artwork that we talked about, it mm -hmm. was commissioned. So I don't really think anybody had a say and what although yes it was a cathedral so it is obviously full of religious art and religious pieces mm -hmm. so i don't really think sometimes people have a choice of what goes into what galleries and what museums and things like that and mm -hmm. i just feel like it should be displayed wherever it is and because mm -hmm. i feel like every single piece of art has a reason as to why it ended where it is if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like for mm -hmm. example this one was stolen three times remember we mm -hmm. you know nobody knew where it was gonna end we don't even have one piece so we don't know where that ended it's true so like i definitely do agree with your um your opinion on how art should just be displayed religious art should be displayed like regular art because you know it's just like if it, especially if it was commissioned and how you're saying that, like, it means, like, no one really had to say on where it would be going because it was, you know, commissioned and everything like that. It should, like, I, I agree that, like, it should just be, you know, placed wherever, you know, any art is placed because it is art. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is a really good take, though. I kind of agree on that. Like, art is art, even if it's religious. You know what I mean? It's true. Even if it like bothers some people, you could technically use the argument for anything and everything. It's oh, true. I can't do this because this will bother someone in particular, a very specific person probably. Right. Or, I feel like with 7 yeah. billion people in the world, you can't really take in everybody's, you know, criticism and everybody's, I don't know, I guess their likings or not likings on art and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's true. And plus, you know, art, it is supposed to make you feel things like it's supposed to make you feel emotion. So even if that emotion is being upset, the art has fulfilled its, pur fulfilled its purpose. That is actually so true. I think you're I think that is actually a really good like statement. I think we will both agree on that. Right. Tyler? Yeah, Nadia, that was a really good way of putting it, to be honest okay. with you. Thank you. You put, you put all of my thoughts into words somehow. More organized <laughs> words than mine, usually. Man, Thyla oh. took those words out of my mouth and said it for me for both of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I guess I have to. I guess this is it. Thank you for joining us so much today, Thyla and Nadia. I appreciate it so much. This includes Exploring Art Podcast. Subscribe to Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you can get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon, and remember to stay curious.